18 through 20, John 14, 18, and Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And we want to get right into the Word of God, the, God, the, the Gospels I'm going to read from. Here's John 14, 18. You can look at it on the screen or turn it in your Bible. Just a couple of words to start and a real short, powerful word. Sometimes you don't need a long word. Sometimes you need just a short left hook. John 14, 18. Here we go. No! I will not abandon you. I don't know who this is for. You better look at this. Don't, th don't think this is just a scripture. Don't, don't apply. Listen. No. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not abandon you as an orphan. But I. Who's I? That's Jesus talking. Jesus talking. These are words of red. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to ever abandon you as an orphan. No matter what you are, no matter where you are, no matter how old you are, I will come to where you are. You don't have to climb a mountain to find God. He's next to you when you need Him. He's always there for you. I will come to you, says Jesus. Next scripture, Lake. You remember them? Or did I say it again? Matthew 28, uh, 4, 18 through 20. Matthew. At 28, 18 through 20. I'm sorry. 18 through 20. 18. Jesus came to his disciples, many of you know this, and told his disciples, we were talking about this earlier, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth. You, you know, in your lives, you may. A lot of times have to deal with authority and wonder about authority. But Jesus says, I have all authority. Next verse. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now he's talking to us. He's talking to his original 12, but he's also talking to all the ones to come. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next verse. These new disciples. We got some new disciples in the room? We actually all are because that's a long time ago we said that. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Listen to this powerful promise. You think Jesus lies? No. This is promise. This is word. Be sure of this. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say, I might. He said, you can be sure of this. That I am with you always. Say always. Always. Even to the end of the age. Jesus says to you, no matter what you're going through today, no matter how lonesome you feel, no matter how abandoned you feel, no matter if you feel you're not worthy of Him being near you, Always means always, John. You mean if I'm sitting in my lowest spot in a place I shouldn't be doing something I shouldn't be done, you think Jesus would come to me? That's what His Word says. He will come to you and rescue you. Amen. You may be seated. You can't get low enough. You can't get hard enough. I'm going to real quick read some scriptures. We're going to preach on very quick from the Old Testament from a prophet named Daniel. Everybody know the book of Daniel? Daniel was written at a time when a people, the Jewish people, God's people at that time, had been ransacked and taken hostage. You all, you all heard the news lately. I know it's a very tragic situation about what happened over in Israel. And, and, and this group called Hamas went in and they took a bunch of hostages. Apparently there's hostages on both sides, you know. But hostages. But that's nothing new. In the book of Daniel, the Babylonians came into Israel and conquered it. But they didn't want to stay, really. They wanted to take everything of value out of it and take it back home. So they took the, val the, the valuable gifts, the treasures, 
uh, art, books, things like that. But they took what they considered the smartest and most gifted people to Babylon. And the purpose of that was to uh, use them, use their knowledge, and then also bring, bring it, teach them the ways of the Babylonians. Their gods. Their customs. And kind of try to make a hybrid, right? We can, we can see that in our culture today. Where, where we can get so influenced by the world, where the world takes us out of our purpose, and then we get integrated into the world. And so this is what happened. Now they left behind a group, which is the interesting part, called the remnant. They left behind the group in Israel they didn't want. They said, we don't want those jokers. You can keep them. They're not going to help us any. You can keep those jokers. They're the remnant. And we're going to take the best and the gifted and talented and we're going to take them on to Babylon. Well, the cool thing God does what did was God left something in that remnant. God went through that remnant. That, that remnant wasn't no trash to God. That remnant meant something to God. God didn't forget that remnant. You feel like trash and you feel like you're less than and you feel like you've been left behind. I'm here to assure you that you might be a remnant, but God uses the remnant. And God is not proof you. God values you. And you are not trashed and even thrown away. Because what happened later was some of those gifted people in Babylon didn't forget God. And they made a journey back home. And that group united with that remnant group. And God built a wall. And God built a city. And God built a temple. And God did something. So the book of Daniel is about some of those people in Babylon. One of them is Daniel. But three of them are called the three Hebrew children. You all read about them in Sunday school. Johnny Cash sung a song about them. How many knows the name of the three Hebrew children? Say it one more time. A little more like you mean. Somebody you weren't sure about yourself. Say it out. Man, if we had time, I would, we don't have any rhythm in this room. Y'all remember when sticks thought oh, I should say. It's like this, y'all. Last time I said all together, one, two, three. Man, you guys got it now. That's good. You did better than I would do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now that's not their Hebrew name. That's not their God-given name. That's what the ba the Babylonians would give them new names to make them feel more like Babylonians and less like Hebrews. <laughs> so their real names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, but I, I have no problem with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what the Bible calls them because that's what Daniel writes it. Okay, but that was their name in Babylon. Three children. They're not really like little children, but they're young men who had. Uh, a lot of gifts. They were gifted people. Okay, they're not the ones left behind. And so they're taken to Babylon. And, and remember, the purpose was to use them, but also to integrate them. We want to make them less look less like God's people and more like Babylon. That's right. The world out there wants to make us look less like God's people. They, won't, they don't care that you have a little bit of worship. They don't care that you go in your room and close the window and have a little bit of worship. As long as you look like Babylon when it's time to look like... As long as you blend in. As long as you don't offend anybody. And I'm not for offending people. Just offend people. I'm here to draw them to Jesus. But, there's a time to stand out. There's a time not to look like Babylon. There's a time not to act like Babylon. And so... What happened was, I'm going to read the scripture in Daniel 3, just a few scripture verses. Is that okay? I'm going to put up Daniel 3, like it. And read about King Nebuchadnezzar. And we're going to be, I think, pretty short. Just one story. I'm not going 20 places in the Bible today. Maybe. I don't plan on it. King Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to go Lake in, uh, 1 to 15. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Durin in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial, provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. 
So all the officials come and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races, nations, and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, listen to this, bow to the ground to worship the king of this world, King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of all these whispers, all the people, whatever the race, nation, language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. Informed there means rabid, just so you know. It says informed. You've heard an informant? Some of the astrologers went to the king and ratted on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of the Jews. They said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king! You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pops, and all the other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods. And they do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Just pause and say, Is it true? The accuser comes and says, is it true? Is it really true what I hear? Is it true what I hear happens? Is it true what goes on? Is it true the stuff I hear? Surely not. Is it true, back to the scripture, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <laughs> That you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? Is it really true that you won't bow to me? That you won't bend? That you won't break? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of these instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Listen to this last verse. Don't challenge God. There's people out there challenge God. <laughs> oh, well, you better not bring that fight. People, the king thought he had all the power and all the juice. Man, he thought he was the bomb. But I'm here to tell you, just a few short years after this, wasn't that long, they put him in a pine box. We all go out in a pine box unless Jesus comes back first. You aren't as bad. You aren't as bad as you think you are. You aren't as strong and powerful as you think you are. You aren't as omnipotent as you think you are. In the end, we will all bow. But then, this king thought he was going to challenge God. And he said, What God would be able to rescue you from my power? Wow. What a declaration. What a challenge. Don't challenge God because He will come through. So, for just a minute, so these kids, the Johnny Cash song says, they would not bow, they would not bend, they would not bow, they would not burn. Y'all heard that old song? I think it wasn't the Johnny Cash song. They, they might have been older than that, but he sung it. But it's about They had a choice. And they had a good life. I mean, they had a good career. They had a good thing going. They were the chosen ones. They come in. It says they were in charge of some stuff. They were supervisors or something. They were in charge. But when it came time to make a choice, do I compromise? Do I compromise? By the way, this was before that. Do I compromise my, what my convictions to my God are? To keep all this stuff 
Or the deuce bow. I mean, I can go back and worship God after I bow, right? I mean, it's just, it's just a little compromise. All I got to do is bow. And they wouldn't do it. Now, the word given was if they refused to do it, there was consequences. The consequences sometimes we think excuse what we do, right? Because if they didn't do it, they'd get burned. They'd get put in the furnace. They'd get killed. We don't face that too much. We face persecution at times. We face drama at times. We, we do face stress and problems in our life at times. We, I don't think many people in this country face have faced a blazing literal furnace if they don't bow to the statue of Babylon. That they may come and that they is here in many parts of the world. But for us, our, our battles are a little more, a little different. They're not necessarily true death. But there's people in this room who figuratively, you've been through the furnace. Some of you in this room, maybe all of you in this room, I don't know, you've been through the fire. You know what it's like when things get hot. You know what it's like when things get tough. You know what it's like when things get hard. You know what it's like when you don't know how to get out, when you can't breathe, when you suffocate from the, the temperature, when you, you just can't get a breath, you can't catch a good breath. It gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And you know what that's like. And you don't know how to get out sometimes. And you, you know what that experience is like. So sometimes the consequence in our minds if we make excuses. Can I be real? Most of us make excuses. Most people I deal with, when they tell me something they're going through, they make an excuse. They blame somebody else for a circumstance. True. But the consequences did not determine these guys' actions. Verse 16, Lake, and this is to 18. Let me keep reading the scripture. And just keep it ready, Lake. We're going to go through, through it a little bit, okay? We're just going to finish this out. 60 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. We don't need to have a verbal argument with you. We don't need to explain ourselves to you. We don't need to engage in this conversation with you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the next verse. If we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I think that was probably with some sarcasm, by the way. I don't know. That's what I imagine. I don't know. Verse 18. But listen to this. This is where we got to get this. Everybody pay attention right here. This verse is the most, one of the most important, but this is a very important verse. We talked about this maybe last week. Or maybe Wednesday night. But even if he doesn't, pause. They're getting ready to go into a furnace. To be to burn up. To be cremated alive. Kind of the poor old lobsters, man. They got it rough, don't they? They don't hit him in the head and the dumb or anything. They just throw him in there. That was Shadrach, they shake the bed to go. They were going to be put in the cremation device alive. They were getting ready to face that. They had a choice. Bow and avoid it or go in. And what they said was amazing. They said, we have total confidence. You're diagnosed with cancer? I have total confidence that God will deliver me. But I do recall, if I'm not mistaken, this little girl kind of, I think maybe even quoting this verse, when she was diagnosed with cancer. What she said was, I have total confidence that my God's going to heal me. Yes. But the verse goes on to say, but even if not, I'm still not bad. said, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship your gold statue you have set up. Even if he doesn't, just hold there. 
We'll stop at 18 for right now. Even if he doesn't deliver. What she said was this. I believe with all my heart that God's will is to heal me of this cancer. I believe with all my heart that God's will is to heal me of this cancer. Some of you are facing things in your life. And you've got in faith stand on the premise that you believe that God is going to get you through this. Because we, we give all the reasons in the Word. Because His Word says so. And, but here's the thing. What if what I want to happen really isn't the will of God and I can't convince Him to change His mind? Sometimes you can, by the way. That's biblical too. Moses did. That's another story. What if God's will and His divine will, He knows. What if it really is my time to go praise on the streets of gold? And what this little girl said in the realness of the furnace. It's, it's, it's pretty cool to say that when we're alright. That's right. That's right. I ain't bound. Yeah, that's right. I ain't never going to bow. When everything's good. When the doctor says we got too many tumors to operate, we can't do it. You eat up with cancer, we can we can't even do surgery on you. Then they'll stand up and say, you know what? Try us praise because God's going to heal me. But if you don't, He's worthy anyway. Let's praise Him because that's what He did. That's what we did. That's what we do. That's what you do. Because you won't bow and you won't bend and you won't burn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's the key. you got to be to the point where your faith and prayers are outcome determinative. That you don't base your prayers and your faith. People, when they want something from God, they get boosted up in their, in their, in their, in their faith and in their zeal. But what you got to do is you get to the point where your zeal is not outcome determinative. Where it, when it, the thing doesn't go the way you thought it would go or hoped it would go, it doesn't rob you of the zeal. Because He's worthy either way. He's loving either way. He's a good daddy either way. You win either way. You are victorious either way. You spend eternity with Him either way. Whether it's now or in five years that I check out, we win in either way. He's a good daddy either way. It's not outcome determined to faith, but it's faith that is based on the holiness of God and who God is and understanding of who He is and His character and His love and not an outcome that we want. So they threw Him in the fire. You guys have already said, I saw your heads. You got that bobblehead I got on my desk. <laughs> I got one. It's pretty cool. I sit and watch it sometimes. I can watch it in five minutes. <laughs> it's a double fryer. And I don't know why that's funny to me. But I sit and watch that little monk guy do this. You guys shook your head when I was talking about you've been through fires. And we all have on this planet. We've been through trials. Which people in here, you, you're real. You go to the shiny churches, they've been through the trials too. <laughs> they just shame to tell anybody about it. Right. That's right. You guys are real. You've been through stuff. You share your experiences and you're hurt by other people to help them. It takes guts and courage. And sometimes people want to give a testimony and we do that. And sometimes we try to work it in when we can. Holy Spirit has to kind of have order. We do it when we can. But I, I never take them lightly. Even if I, if you've ever asked me to testify, I've probably let you. And if there's times I had to say wait till this or not today, don't take. I don't take it lightly. It's just the moment, because I believe with all my heart, you willingness to testify is a big deal. It's a big deal. You being vulnerable is a big deal. So we've all been through the fire. But what the king did is this: he was mad. He said, "You want I'm so mad? Why was he mad? Do you think?" Do you think it really changed rocked his you think it really changed his world? He didn't even know they did it. The rats. The rats uh, ratted on him. He didn't even know. Do you think it was that big a deal they didn't bow, or do you think it was more about his ego? And his pride. 
the world wanted him to bow. He wanted them to bow. He had to be bigger than their God. It's about control. The devil wants to control you. The devil wants to be bigger than your God. And so, that's what made He was so mad that it wasn't just enough to burn him. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, pardon the French, spitting in the ocean. He's throwing him in a furnace. And just for the fun of it, I guess, for the madness of it, the anger of it, he says, well, I'm going to burn him, but let's crank it up seven times harder than normal. Let's burn it even hotter. Rolls that way sometimes. You're already so And the devil says, let's just crank it up a little. Kind of like spinal tap. Let's go to 11. Let's just crank it up a little bit. Let's crank it up seven more times than the hottest death. Let's go to Death Star 7. Let's crank it up. The suffering, the torture. That's, that's sadistic. But we have a tough world out there. And so they cranked it up to seven. Seven times normal. And they threw him in. I want you to watch what you do. Again, we want to talk about a world. There's a world out there. There's people out there in your life. They take, let's be real. I know there's a, there's a Satan. There's a spirit. There's Satan. There, there are spiritual beings out there that take delight in your suffering and my suffering. But they influence people sometimes. And there's people out there, if you're honest, you know it. They, they, they watch you on Facebook to, to, get, to, to watch you suffer. Yes. It's like people watch the NASCAR races to see the reds. You all don't do that, do you? <laughs> now, if I, was, if I was giving this message to Canada, I'd say it's to people who go to the hockey games to watch people knock each other's brains out. But, but uh, some of those guys up there, they, they, don't, they just kind of sit around talking in the game. And when somebody takes their hat off their head, their, their gloves off, then they get up and get excited, you know? There's people in the world and there's spiritual forces in the world that take delight in watching you fail. Yeah, yeah. When you make your declaration of faith in an altar, you come in an altar, there are people in your life, there's whispers in your head, spiritually and probably literally too, there are people waiting for you to mess up. There are people sitting there saying, oh, it won't last. Give them a week. Give them a month. Give them two months. And some of you in this room, you have tripped up some. But you know what? You're still here. You're still here. You're still here. Some of you sit down a little while, but you know what? You come back, you're still here. You're still here. So what this king did, I say this to say, from the scripture... I'll, I'll read this if I get there. Nebuchadnezzar was so fierce, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his face became a sort of rage. He commanded the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to throw them in the blazing furnace. So, it's not enough we're going to burn them up. We want to take them their functionality to them. We want to bind them. There's things you've allowed in your life and I've allowed in my life that will bind you. They'll take away your ability to move and function and fight. So when you're thrown in the furnace, not only you feel the heat of the furnace, but you're helpless from what's bound you, what you've allowed to bind you. So he binds them. I don't even know why he bound them because they, I don't know what they do about it, but he bound them. So they tied them up and threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, listen to this, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw them in. So catch this, give me that. Uh, Gerald thought I was leaving. Gerald, you're too big to throw. <laughs> so they got the children and they just got over the edge of the furnace and as they threw the children in, it was so hot it killed the soldiers. Because he cracked it up to seven. Remember? Seven times hotter. That's hot. That's a dangerous situation. But the weird thing about it is, the king was so angry or sadistic or determined to see these people suffer that he wanted to watch the show. Because you think... Most human beings, 
even if they did throw somebody in a furnace, which that's inhuman, but if they did, would kind of walk back and say, all right, I'm good. I, I, the, the emperors normally didn't, didn't watch crucifixions. They ordered the crucifixion that went on to the palace. But Nebuchadnezzar was so angry and sadistic that he wanted to watch the show. He wanted to watch the pain. He wanted to see it. The enemy delights in our pain. The enemy delights in our suffering. He hates God. He was kicked out of heaven. His job was to lead praise and worship in heaven. And you know what we are? His replacement. He got kicked out. And now we get God bless you guys. God bless you. We get the privilege of now praising and worshiping God. So the devil is the jilted ex-girlfriend. Or boyfriend. Whatever the situation is. The devil cannot stand God. And you look like God. And you took his job. And he takes the light. And do whatever he can to see you fail, suffer, be bound, tied up, and burned up. And that's his job, and that's what he does. And he don't just do it because he has to. He likes doing it. He takes the light of your failure. That king watched the show. Next verse. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, tied up securely, fell into the roaring flames. <laughs> Listen to this. Now you see, you say, well, where does it say that Nebuchadnezzar watched? Right here, next verse. But suddenly, here he comes. You're back.
Well, there's always a next time. But suddenly the king, Nebuchadnezzar, jumped up in amazement. See, all those people out there watching you. Now, I know a lot of the spiritual, so there's devils out there watching you. There's the devil. There's minions of but some of our life you have in your families and past or whoever you have people who cheer on your family and they're watching that's right you know what God's going to do to them and some you say I hope he killed no 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 we don't wish that what he's going to do is he's going to amaze them for you He's going to amaze them. Because the ones that look to you to seek root you on to your failure are going to finally be amazed and say, you know what? Maybe there is something to this God. Maybe there is something to this Jesus. Maybe this does not be real. He jumped up in amazement and exclaimed. I know people would probably wish somebody wish I would probably talk more quietly. Uh, but passion, in that moment, Nebuchadnezzar was passionate. And he explained, when you're passionate about something, sometimes, not everybody, there's different personalities. You don't have to have a loud voice to be a powerful person of God. Sometimes it's a whisper. Right. But for me, sometimes my shout is a reflection of my excitement and my passion. It's not that I'm, I'm, I'm mean uh, or, or, or loud necessarily on purpose. It's and I get excited. I'm excited about this stuff. Yeah. It, it blows my mind. I'm I, I, I pumped up. You know, I bet I bet last night in that SEC championship game, I bet Michael hit octaves I'm not hit today. So why not today? Why not now? Because we won today a bigger red line than that Trump once won last night. Congratulations on your win. Whatever, right? All right. Listen up, listen up. Back to the script. Don't let Alabama get us off track. He jumped up in amazement and exclaimed, and he yelled. He was watching. He was ready to see him burn up. He jumped up and started yelling. He jumped up and started yelling. What? What am I seeing? This was supposed to take them out. This was supposed to crush them. This was supposed to destroy them. What am I seeing? What am I seeing? Didn't we tie three men in the furnace? I mean, he's got to be having a trip of moment. What did they give me in my wine? How much wine did they give me? What did they put in this? What year is that wine? I mean, I'm like a cartoon. He looks, he looks and he says, I mean, he's freaked out. We, didn't we put three guys in there? certainly did, they replied. Look! He shouted! Oh. I'll stay! Why are you doing this? 
Let me first say this real quick. The actual translation says looks like the Son of God. And some translations talk about it being the angel of the Lord. I don't need to get into a lot of it, but in the Old Testament, remember Jesus has always been there. He's the Word. The King was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word came flesh one month. Jesus was always there. He was later given the name Jesus. But He's always been there with God. Since He was created with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so at times in the Old Testament, most theologians, me included, believe that Jesus makes appearances. We just don't know His name. And when you see the Son of God or lack of God like here, what we believe, and if you don't know if you think it's just a messenger of God, that's fine either way. It's an angel, whatever you want to call it. God showed up. But Jesus showed up in His fire and stood
finished up doing nothing. He was protecting your purpose. All of you can say is, I don't know how I got through that time of my life. He was protecting you. Verse 26. I'm just going to finish it up real quick. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. Remember, he couldn't go too close. He already killed the soldiers. And he yelled out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants. Well, he was sure changing his... He sure... Yeah. <laughs> 
So, we're done. You're going through stuff. Yeah? It's happened before, though. I've had, you got a short memory sometimes, don't we? Yeah. You know what crisis is the worst crisis of ever? The one I'm in right now. And then when you get through that one, you forget what God got you through. And the next crisis comes along. Boy, this is the worstest of the worst. You shouldn't be back with living people, but, but, say, but. It's okay to be reminded that the God that got you through the furnace last time, He's still with you. And He's going to get you through the furnace this time. He didn't break. They asked the, prophet, the prophets, said, where's your God? Said, told the prophets of Baal, where's your God? Is he on break? He had to relieve himself. My God don't take breaks. My God's always on the top. My God's always in the fire. My God's always by my side. My God is always by your side. Because he's your God too. So I say this for those of you who may be in a struggle right now. I think you are. I feel you are. And I'm sure in a crowd this size. I mean, before the kiddos left, this was a standing room only crowd. And there's people that will watch live, but there's a bunch more that watch on the K-Win Access and Closed Circuit and then also the podcast. This crowd of people that will hear this. There is no way that I'm going to believe that there are people who are fires. It's just a statistic. I hope, I pray that everybody in this room is on the flat, on the mountain today and you don't got a stress in the world. And everything, and it's just everything is all right. That's my preacher voice. I don't bring out the preacher voice very much. But if I were to take just a little bit of a speculation, I'd say there's people in the dark sometimes. I'd say there's a few sleepless nights in this room. I'd say there's people that know what it's like to have a little bit of flutter in their chests. Anxiety. I bet there's people in this room that maybe, and I don't wish it on you, I'm just saying, look at the size that are wondering, how am I going to get out of this? Well, what's going on? Maybe some of you say, I trust God, but what's going on? I'm, I'm nervous because I, I don't even know how it's going to be. I tell me what's going to happen, you know? I'm here to assure you. That God has never left your side. In your loneliness, in your mistake, most mistake condition, He's not there with you. Stand in the gap. There's a fourth man Put up 1 Peter 5 to you. conclude with the scripture and declare it over your life. I think it's good to take the word of God. I, I, the, 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 the word can be prophetic in that there's nothing that's awesome. It's also good to take the literal written word of God and declare it over your life. And I want to do that. Like in 1 Peter 5 through 10. I want to, no, 5 10. You're right. Listen to this. I'm reading this over you, church. Anyone who hears this, in his kindness, God is a kind God. He's not mean. Sometimes people portray him as mean and. If we don't get it, it's kind of like when your kid says you're mean if you don't get your way all the time. You know? He's not mean. He's kind. He's loving. Knowing that nature about God is half the battle. Because once you know He loves you and is kind to you, then you know His outcome will be for your benefit. In His kindness, God called you. Put your hand up in this room. Everybody. Because that means you're you. If your hand's not up, you're not a you. I don't know what that means. You might be an animal or a cyborg or AI or whatever's coming at us. <laughs> Thank you. This works for you. God called you to share in His eternal glory. How? By your strength, by your power, by your cockiness, by your swag. Listen, there's nothing I've ever done worth a hoot that I did in my own right. There's nothing I ever did eternal, lasting, long-lasting in my own right. If I did something good, it was the power of Jesus through me that was ever good. Because we share in His eternal glory 
by means of Christ Jesus. It's by Him. So, after, come on, listen to this. Is anybody here suffering? Is anybody here having time sometimes? This is the Word of God for you. It's not my words. I'm not making it up. I didn't write it. So, after you have suffered a little while, a little while. I know it's hard sometimes. But in the grand scheme of things, the word of God says it's a little while. After you suffer a little while, then he, God, God, will restore, support, and strengthen you. And then, been a little while, but suddenly. It's been a little while, but suddenly. I say you've suffered long enough. It's been a little while. I say, but today, I say, but suddenly, you can step out of the fire because the fourth man untied you. And the fourth man This is what God says, His word says over you. After you suffer a little while, which is this is forever, this is a word for you. This is personal. He says, I he says he, but they're talking about Peter's talking about God. He said, I will restore. Somebody's getting restoration today. In Jesus' name. That's the scripture. That's not my declaration. That's what the word of God says. Somebody's being restored. Somebody, you know what a restoration is? An old piece of junk, and they take it and they make it a masterpiece because the, the artist or the master arti artist or whatever you call it, they get that old piece of junk and they restore it prettier than it ever was. Somebody in this room is being restored. Somebody in this room is being restored. Somebody in this room is being supported. You feel weak. You feel scared. You feel like you can't stand. Sometimes your legs are weak. But he says today, I will support you. I will hold you up. I will be your strong tower. I will support you. Some of you, you're weak. You're tired. You're tired of the journey. And he says, I'm going to strengthen you today. I'm giving you strength that you didn't think you had. I'm giving you strength you didn't think you had. You didn't think you had it. You didn't have it, but he's giving it to you. Because the fourth man's in the fire. And he's saying, I'm giving you strength. And some of us in this room, your life may be on shaky grounds right now. Un un unsure grounds. Uncertain grounds. You feel like things that you counted on your whole life for suddenly. I don't know who that's for. But the Word of God says this. You may feel like you're in uneasy grounds. But I put you on a strong, solid foundation. I'm going to put you on a foundation that when the storms come, remember that old song? When the winds and waves come, Build on the rock or build on the sand, right? The house on the, you know, when that, when that sand and winds come, it'll blow down the ones on But God says, I'm putting you on a foundation. The storms will blow. Those winds will come. But you will stand strong because I'm putting you on a foundation. Today, but suddenly you're stepping out of the fire and he's lifting you up and he's reminding you, I'm not leaving your side. I got your back. I'm with you. And we will get through this together by the authority of the Lord God. Lord, I want to be. 
Okay, just one moment. Will you go ahead? Come on. Come on. Come on. I've done my first thing of chemo, and before they done my second one, they said that the cancer has moved away from my body. They said it's like taking a balloon down the wall.
It's everything Jesus. And I count, keep them up, and I count to three real quick. I want everybody to stand. And I want you with your hands up to come to this altar and say, God, today, restore me, rebuild me, strengthen me, and put me on that foundation. I'm ready for today. Don't be shy of that. Don't be ashamed of that. Nobody will mess with you. Nobody will hurt you. It's your moment with God. But I believe you're going to walk out of here different. Are you ready for that? Put them up high. One, are you ready for it? Are you ready for your life to change? Two, are you ready to get through your situation, your trial? Are you believing that today's your day? Are you trusting His Word and His promises? Three, everybody up and move. Move. Somebody's in your way. Say, excuse me. Up. Move.